0: Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 80. Today's episode is with Ari Popper from SciFutures. Futures Futures is a fascinating blend of science fiction and corporate innovation in which sci-fi writers team up with corporations to imagine futures in their industry. Brian and Ari talked about how they make these imagined futures tangible and what the responsibility is of innovators as we continue in this era of technology. Reach out to Ari at SciFutures.com. Hi there, everyone. I'm Victory Clafter, the producer of Inside Outside Innovation. This is the podcast that brings you the latest insights from people who know the most about building lean businesses, innovating within corporations, and disrupting entire industries with passion and precision.
1: We're living in such interesting times where the world is changing so quickly, and big companies are really struggling to get their heads around. The opportunities and changing culture. So I had an epiphany about six years ago, actually during a science fiction writer's class, where I thought, you know, sci-fi storytelling could be a really interesting way to help grease the wheels of innovation and get organizations inspired. So we basically work with our clients closely to help them get educated. So looking at the emerging technologies, the big trends, all the kind of disruptive forces that are influencing their business and actually peripheral businesses as well. And then uh, we kind of co-create a kind of preferred future vision. Um, and lots of companies have that. You know, They have dedicated initiatives to understanding where the world's going, making sure they're kept up to speed on disruptive emerging technologies. But often they fall short in terms of really getting traction with that material. So our secret sauce is really kind of taking that and really making it work much harder for them through storytelling. So we work with actually close to 200 writers now where we'll take clients' content that we've helped them shape grounded in the science, facts, and emerging technologies. And yeah, then we'll hand it off to these phenomenal sci-fi writers who will then render these much more compelling, much more inspirational visions of where um, their business could be, still grounded in the facts and the information, but now it becomes a much more compelling kind of north star for the organization to rally behind. And um, we spent quite a bit of time working on, on projects that do that.
2: So do your writers really try to push the corporation to think kind of transformationally or how much of, uh, I guess, the storytelling process really cuts across all horizons of innovation from core innovation that's you know, optimizing their existing business models all the way to, again, transformational things that are, are, are not their business at all at currently.
1: Yeah, we, we focus definitely focus more on the latter, on the transformational mm-hmm. Um, disruptive innovation. Although we have done work with clients that's closer in just to help them bring that to life a bit more and make it resonate more. But yeah, we definitely lean more to the five to 10 year hour um, mark with our clients.
2: Now you work with some great companies like you know Pepsi and Visa and Ford. At the early stages, I'd imagine it, it was probably a little bit difficult uh, potentially to kind of tell that story like, hey, we're going to help you uh, innovate, but we're going to do it through, you know, sci-fi talent, storytelling. How did that uh, process of actually building your company kind of come into place and, and how easy or hard was it to kind of uh, sell that vision to uh, what are traditionally, you know, corporations that are, are maybe not as innovative or, or not thinking into the future the way you are?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. For some clients, it's very foreign to them and, and you know, they wouldn't go near it with a with a ten-foot barge pole, <laughs> um, but for other other clients, um, they very they just totally get it, just right on on contact. They understand the power of it. It's as much as a culture, corporate culture thing, as it is as, as much as an individual or department thing. So there's certain people within companies that may be very traditional, or conservative, but those individuals just totally understand the premise and what it does, and they will fight and really try and make it happen. And there are other clients who just are too afraid or, you know, just don't want to go near it and feel it's too risky. Um, and obviously, they stay away. So there's a little bit of self-selection that happens. Right. But, yeah, it, it isn't for everyone, um, although we think it, it could apply to any, anyone and should. But obviously, for some for some companies, it just, it just wouldn't work, and, and that's totally fine.
2: Talk a little bit about how either case studies yeah. or, or otherwise of how people are actually using the future uh, focus and the story around that, and how are they applying that to the world business that they're that they're in?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we really try and emphasize the practical value of this work, not only to change cult culture, but also to invent new things. Um, you know, we're not doing this just to entertain. Um, if people want to be entertained, they can go see a science fiction film, you know, or, or watch one on Netflix. What <laughs> what it's really about is creating new IP and, and new possibilities for the organization that leads to meaningful behavior change. So the actual benefit really goes, it really comes out of going through the process because you get these kind of transformational understandings of where the business could be. Lots of new ideas get invented as you come out of the process. It's a very um, generative process. So if, if we haven't invented um, new IP or new businesses or basically constructed new avenues of, of transformation, then in some ways we haven't been um, you know, disruptive enough or we haven't been effective. So, yeah, it's not just about, you know, let's paint a vision. It's really about let's paint a vision. Now let's figure out how to get there. What do we need to do today, the next year, three years, five years to really um, have a chance of being relevant in that future? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the work that we've done with our clients has really um, demonstrated that in the way their business has transformed. And you mentioned Ford. I mean, that was a really... Um, amazing project where we actually created three different graphic novels for them, grounded in some phenomenal work um, that we did um, around the future of transportation, and the future of mobility. And um, if you look at how Ford's transforming their business, um, it's really interesting that a lot of that work that we did, along actually with the Futures Company, is now, you know, essential strategy and they've developed business units around it. And it's really fascinating to see it unfold. So, yeah, it's definitely... um, it's definitely not just about visioning. It's much more about, okay, how do, we, how do we stay relevant? How do we transform? And then what do we need to do?
2: Right, and probably a little bit of scare the crap out of them to make sure that yes. they actually do take an action.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, we do an exercise called um, the dystopian future where um, we actually put our clients out of business. And in many ways, it's a much more interesting exercise than any of the others.
2: <laughs> so tell me about the team or, or, and how did you uh, pull the, the right people around uh, to actually execute on this vision?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, again, a little bit of self-selection. You know, people who who like this idea and want to do this sort of work are attracted to us and vice versa. But it's a, it's a great team because we have a unique combination of strategists, storytellers, but also folks who understand the practicalities around innovation and prototyping and emerging technologies. Uh, yeah, we have a big network of um, freelancers that work for us as well, so we can rely on outside resources too. Um you know, and over time it's really cool because when you work in a space, you really get to meet very interesting people, and your network um extends quite quite rapidly and also the other beautiful thing about it, I call it the virtuous circle the more more work you do for clients, the smarter you get right. um and then you know the better you get for other clients too, so you get this really nice kind of spiraling up effect as well um but yeah, we have a big network. Lots of lots of cipher writers and yeah and, and experts, yeah
2: do mm-hmm. you actually do any of the prototyping or anything in the physical world as well or or
1: yeah yeah, we um prototype physical prototypes I've actually built done a lot of building and fabricating of futuristic type business models and experiences um a lot of work in the payment space of visa um we just recently completed a project for an automotive client, not for it, another one where we actually created physical artifacts from the future that they can use in workshops, um, which is um, turning out to be very effective. Yeah, it's it's really fun when when you can actually build these kind of visionary, futuristic types of products and services. What's cool is also now with virtual reality is you can actually develop futuristic worlds in VR and put people in that, and you get a much more visceral understanding of what the future could look like and make it interactive. That's very interesting as well.
2: Excellent. Tell me, what's your favorite case study or, or story that you've had uh, of a company that's gone through the particular process and you, you've actually seen the results at, at the other end uh, and seen some, I guess, the future created?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I mean, one of my favorites was actually one of our first projects um, just because it was kind of the proof of concept that really worked. Um, and it was for, um, for Lowe's home improvement company. Um, they hired us originally to help them reimagine how people would renovate their homes. Um, It's a bit of an old case study now, actually, which is kind of ironic, but Mm -hmm. um, at the time it was really revolutionary. Um, And what we did is we helped them really get a visceral understanding of what augmented reality and virtual reality could bring to their business, particularly in terms of removing the barriers and fear and guesswork around renovating a home. Um, So we created some comic books and graphic novels for them, really painting a a really interesting picture of how Lowe's could leverage those technologies. Um, Out of that, they developed a work stream and we prototyped, did a number of rapid prototypes, which they then took and worked with other companies and partnered with companies like Microsoft and really created a whole platform around that initial um, initial work that we did with them. So it was a really great use case because what it showed was um, if you get the story right and you can capture the imagination of senior executives and they could see a pathway to really getting an advantage, you know, there's there's nothing stopping them from doing that. And, and they really, to their credit, they um, they took the risk and went out and did it. Very exciting when that when that happens. Yeah. So I think there's, there's others. A lot of them are confidential, but um, these narratives, these kind of strategic narratives serve many different purposes. So over time, as we're learning how our clients are using them, some of them are, yes, to, to really accelerate innovation, but others are as a way to attract new recruits. So it's Essentially, look, this is a company that has a bold vision for the future. You want to be a part of it. Yeah, read this graphic novel or look at this video. So it's very good for it attracting talent. Um, others use it as onboarding. So when um, new employees start, it's a good way for them to get grounded in the kind of vision and north star of the organization. Some of it use it as a way to, ex- to excite investors and outside and customers. So we did a series of podcasts for VMware, the network virtualization company, that was a really fun podcast. It was basically um, helping, essentially delivering a message that the classic science fiction film technology problems that they couldn't solve could be very easily solved with technologies today, and VMware's technologies as well. Um, so it was a really fun kind of fictional romp through space and time looking at classic sci-fi films like Star Wars and Star Trek and then reimagining them using today's technologies Again, just a really cool marketing piece for yeah. for the company.
2: Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, culture yes. is probably the number one factor. Reasons why exactly. corporations exactly. don't innovate. Um, you know, they're tied to their existing business models, and and quite frankly, you know, they hire and and optimize for those existing business models. But, you know, as yeah. as uh, you know, history has shown us, and and this pace of disruption seems to be uh, speeding up ever faster, and the ability to stay on top is is harder and harder. So. I think you're on to something as far as helping companies understand that uh, what got them there won't get them there in the future. So
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't work for everyone. You know, some some of my clients just, they just couldn't make it work. You know, it's just, they were too fearful or, you know, too worried about losing their jobs or being like, you know, making mistakes. The rules of innovation still apply, you know, it's not a silver bullet, <laughs> you know, it's right. still risky and tricky and that, that's what makes it interesting.
2: So, uh, are there any other final kind of uh, tips or tricks for uh, for any of our audience who's kind of in that uh, boat trying to uh, get their organization to think and and be a little bit more innovative? Any uh, kind of things you can recommend that they should start thinking about or doing?
1: Yeah, I really do believe sincerely that we live in amazing times where there's so much opportunity, and really it's just getting out of getting out of our way and just giving ourselves the permission to dream and fail. And, yeah, you know, I think for me it's it's less about specifics. It's more, more a kind of rah-rah message. It's like, honestly, things that you think are science fiction or feel sci-fi like really aren't because mm-hmm. technologies are so amazing today and there's such interesting opportunities that are kind of literally out there that you just need to believe in and just want to do. And with that kind of belief and will, truly extraordinary things can happen. So, it's you know, it's less... I would say do this, do that. Um, certainly use storytelling. It's just an amazing way to get people on board, but it really is an amazing time. And, you know, The other big kind of plug that I'm really big on is just the ethics of emerging technologies and, mm-hmm. and trying to be a little bit more conscious about what we're bringing into the world. That's something that I'm very passionate about because these technologies are so disruptive and um, really are transformational for us, not only in the business world, but as a species. Just being a little bit more deliberate and thoughtful about, you know, just because we can build this doesn't mean we should. So really thinking through some of the consequences of action or, you know, inaction as well is something that I'm very passionate about.
0: That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Ari for taking time to speak with us. If you want to learn more about our team here at Econic, check out econic.co or insideoutside.io. Until next time, go out and innovate.